Praise the Lord. Okay, that's a little loud for me. Does that sound loud to you all? No? It's okay? Okay. I'm not used to hearing myself reverbing back. That's why. Well, today we are continuing in our spiritual battle training. And uh, we're looking, again, at the whole armor of God. But not just the armor. We're going to see what that armor is. It's truth and righteousness. It's the gospel itself. The armor of God is faith. It's salvation. It's the living Word of Almighty God. It's also the unified, prayerful believers in Christ. We are protected from the enemy. And that doesn't mean every skirmish. It means eternally, forever. The battle is won. Outside of Christ, we're in grave danger, but by remaining in Christ, we're protected. Our Creator equips us with everything needed for the battle, for protection, for victory. Being covered in God's armor is critical to each and every one of us. And this is a message of encouragement. I believe it will improve our ability to stand in the power of Christ. The battle is the Lord's. And every believer is given the option to stand in the power of Christ. As I've said in previous messages, we are not waging war. It has been waged and it has been won. We're just serving God in His battle as He allows us to live the lives that He has given us here. We are simply serving God. And He knows that we're in the battle. And He provides everything we need for that battle. True believers surrender to the finished work of Christ on the cross. And as such, we have eternal victory in the Lord's battle. And if we remember that it's His battle, when those little skirmishes that can get overwhelming from time to time, when those little skirmishes are going on, and we remember that it's His battle, we can have more strength by calling upon Him. It's wise to prepare for battle by understanding God's armor. I want you to open your Bibles. If you will, the ones in your seats there, you can find the text on page 1801, it's Ephesians chapter 6. We do have it, and we're going to have it up on the screen. But if you care to read it for yourself, page 1801 is where you'll find that. And this is, uh, we'll start at verse 10, page 1801. And we're going to read this text probably, maybe each time I do a message in this series. And we may break it out of it. Finally, my brethren, means brothers and sisters, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. We looked at that pretty extensively last week. We are strong in the power of His might, not our own. And it's when we think that we can do it on our own, that's when we fail. But if we rely on Him continuously, 
turning to Him in every battle, and we know that we have strength in the power of His might. So, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having your having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And I would pray... Verse 19, that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. I pray that God would add His blessing to the reading and hearing of His Word. I trust that He will. He, he does. Somebody once said to me, why don't you just read a passage and let the Holy Spirit speak through you? And I said, well, who do you think helps me put the notes together? I put time into studying God's Word. I put time into hearing from Him, praying over the notes that I prepare, because I want to stay on track with the message. And sometimes I'll take a little rabbit trail down here or over there, but I get to come back because I know where the message is going. And for me, that's really important because I'm going to make sure that you comprehend what God's Word is saying to you. Verse 11 is where we're going to focus today. Verse 11 orders believers to put on the whole armor of God. Each and every one of us are instructed to put on the whole armor of God. Do you hear that as an instruction? Put on... Actively participate in putting on the armor of God. It's something that we do. It's not just something that we say. And when we look at all the parts of the armor, we see what it means. And we'll get there in a few weeks. The key today is that we put on the armor and we stand. Those are the two things that we're going to look at. The phrase put on is translated from the Greek word enduo. Enduo. According to the Strong's Greek lexicon, it means sinking into a garment. Sinking into and to clothe with. Every believer participates actively. It's not something that is done to you. It's something that you do. You act in such a way 
that you are participating in that process of putting on the armor. And this idea is found 48 times in Scripture, and we're going to read each and every one of those passages. No, we're not. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. According to God's Word, it's written in the 13th chapter of Romans and verse 12, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness. Cast off. Cast off. There's action in that. It's not a passive suggestion. It is a command that we follow. Cast off the works of darkness. And let us put on the armor of light. We are instructed to actively participate in those two things. Put off the darkness, put on the light. And then in verse 14, we learn what the armor of light is. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its desires or its lusts. Don't fulfill those things that are driving so many in the world today, and this is why we see so much conflict, this is why we see so much strife, because people are driven by the desires or the lusts of the flesh. We are to actively surrender to Christ. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. If we use His Hebrew name, put on Yahashua, the Messiah. In the third chapter of Galatians, it is written, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. We submit ourselves. You think about that act of baptism, being buried in the likeness of His death, being raised in the likeness of His resurrection. And that is the active participation of every believer who steps into the water of baptism. We put on Christ in baptism, and then we surrender daily. Daily, we put on Christ. Come upon me. Take a hold of me. Use me. I surrender. We sing it. We've sung that song many times. In recent years, I surrender all, all to Thee. I surrender all. I used to pray, and not so much anymore, but I used to pray with my face on the ground, surrendering to God. A humbling experience, if you've never done it, when you get down on your face and you surrender to God. In the fourth chapter of Ephesians, it's written, If indeed you have heard Him and have been taught by Him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. You see, Christ is that new man. Christ is our armor. 
The opposite of putting on the armor of God is fulfilling the lust of the flesh, making provision for the flesh, living in sin. That's opposite of Christ. He was sinless. And if we are walking, deliberately participating in sin, we are not walking in Christ. That leaves us vulnerable, folks. That's when the enemy comes in. We open the door. Come on in. And there's so many that don't understand that. For years I've preached it, and and for many, many years I have seen people actively participating in sin and wondering why they had so much difficulty in their lives. Righteousness and holiness are put on us by our willful submission to Christ. Willful. We decide. And we sing that song, I've decided to follow Jesus. I've decided. But there's a, there's a lack in that song to the degree that we're not surrendering. I've decided to follow Him, but you know when it's not convenient for me, I can step off the path. And that happens too often these days. It's written in the third chapter of Colossians in verse 5, therefore, another action, put to death your members which are on the earth. And then it gives a list of things. Fornication, that's unlawful sex, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. See, these things aren't because God wants to punish us. He wants us to be strengthened in the power of His might. And the only way for that to happen is for us to be in His presence. In Him there is no darkness. And so we need to put on light. We need to be those who walk in light, the light of His Word. Putting on Christ who is our armor is to put off or completely eliminate desire for those things that God forbids. All impurity, any type of fraud, any type of deceit, any type of greed, and all forms of sexual sin. Who gets to define what sin is? Do I? No. Do you? No. Who gets to define what sin is? God alone. God says, this is what's good for you, this is what's not. You avoid the things that are not, you go with the things that are, and you do right by God. And not just right by God, you do right by yourselves. We all do. In Colossians chapter 3, it tells us to put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Put off anger, put off wrath, put off malice, put off blasphemy, put off all of these things. Filthy language out of your mouth. And God tells us this not for some hidden purpose. It's very clear because it's best for us. Unfortunately, there's an area where I have weakness. Sometimes I get so upset, things come out of my mouth I'd prefer didn't. 
And I praise God, He takes it away. I confess my sins. And He is faithful and just to forgive that sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And He's the same with all of you. If you confess your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. I didn't have that in the notes there, Kylie. Sorry. (laughs) Putting on the armor of God is living in Christ. Empowered by the Holy Spirit of Christ to withstand temptation instead of giving in to it. It's written in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man, but God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Now, we were talking the other night, a couple of nights ago, and uh, part of the church has changed the prayer that uh, we call the Lord's Prayer, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses. Lead us not into temptation. But they changed that to something else. I don't remember what it is. I didn't record that strong enough that I don't recall it. and I didn't put it in my notes. God doesn't lead us into temptation. We're asking Him to lead us out of temptation. That's the key. By putting on Christ as our armor, we're able to eliminate what God forbids. We can put on that new man, can live in Christ, because God will make the way of escape that we will be able to bear that temptation. It's a daily walk, folks. It's a daily walk. Every day we walk in Christ. In Christ. In. And there's so many times in the Scripture that it says, in Christ. And I haven't done that study for this particular message, but at some point in the future we probably will look at what it says about being in Christ. It's a daily walk. The battle against God and His people is raging every day. And it's a spiritual war. It is not a physical war. You can be attacked by people that you have no reason to be attacked by. Chris and I had a circumstance that arose this week that caused me expense and it caused me time because an individual did not keep their word. And I had to make immediate action because that individual threatened us because of the circumstances. They were taking care of a cat of ours at her mother's place. And they decided they no longer wanted to take care of it. And they threatened to take it to the shelter where it most definitely would have been killed. So they were saying, if you don't come and get this cat, we're going to kill it. And of course, I immediately went and got the cat. That made me angry. How could somebody do this? Why would they do this? Why wouldn't they keep their word? Why would they threaten to kill a helpless animal? And I had to repent. I had to turn to God. 
And that's why I lifted that as a praise this morning. Because He allowed it. And He showed me that weakness. I need to be strengthened in that. That's an area I need to be strengthened. Because I don't like bullies. I don't like bullies at all. I wouldn't want anybody to be bullying you, and I certainly don't want to be bullied myself. And that's what we see so much, so often in the world. We see bullying. We see bullies. And so often Christians are passive. We're not aggressive. And the bullies see that. And they'll step into that because they're walking in darkness. And the enemy of souls, he knows where our weaknesses are. And he will exploit those weaknesses. And we need to be clothed in Christ to resist the temptation. And the first order is to call on his name. Because there's power in his name. Unfortunately, that was not my first response. I got angry, and I confess my sin before my brothers and sisters to let you know I am not flawless. I don't want you to hold me on a pedestal. I want you to understand God has chosen me to bring His Word to you, and I know that each of us have weaknesses, and I would no more condemn you for them than I would condemn myself. I would call upon Christ and ask that He would strengthen all of us But we need to surrender to Him. We need to yield to Him. We need to ask Him for that power. I don't have that power in myself. Growing up in the city of Pittsburgh, I had to learn to respond rapidly, sometimes instantly, because it could be a matter of life and death. And so my natural response, my natural inclination, my fleshly inclination is to respond. But in Christ, I have strength to overcome that temptation. And I had that strength. The evidence is that I'm standing here, (laughs) not under arrest. I jest. But quite honestly, folks, all of us have weaknesses, and we need to know that it's Christ who will strengthen us in those weaknesses. He says, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. I've had a lot of circumstances in the church, too, over the years, where I've had to have great restraint, and God has given that to me. If someone bullies someone, I want it to stop instantly. I don't want it to go on. In marriage counseling, I tell both people that. Do not allow yourself to be bullied. It's not okay by God. That's not what God says when He says, submit yourself to one another. That's not what He means by that. There's no way that God allows people to harm others without consequence. In Christ, we have strength. In Christ, we have power. And we can be strengthened in the power of His might, as we looked at last week to overcome all of that temptation. And we can stand because we've put on the armor of God. We've put to death those things that are on the earth, fornication and uncleanness and passion. See, I'm very passionate. Now, the passion for God's Word is different from the passion for things of the world. We put off those things that God forbids. 
Why do we wear clothing? Clothes protect us, especially in our climate, because today it could be 70 and tomorrow it could be 20. <laughs> they keep us decent, right? And maybe clothes identify us. People wear things on their clothing to identify themselves. I mean, you look at any sports team, for example. They've got people who wear the sports team things, whatever those are. And they identify with that team. There are those who wear slogans for Christ on their clothing. They identify with Christ in, the, in that way. Some of us, like me, I don't try to wear anything that has a name on it. But our clothing can identify us. And when we think about putting on Christ as our armor, as our clothing, being clothed in Christ, we can know that that is our identity. The reason for putting on the whole armor of God is found in verse 11, where we started, that you may be able to stand. And verse 13 helps to clarify this. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand. Withstand means to stand against and oppose. God's holy word gives vital instructions regarding this. What are we to oppose? And what are we to stand for? We've already looked at some of those things. Each piece of the armor that God gives, it gives insight into this as well. God gives the armor, and that gives insight into what we are standing for and what we are opposing. We stand for truth, and we oppose deceitfulness. We stand for godly principles and against unrighteousness. We stand for spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ crucified and against the efforts to stop the spread of the gospel. We stand for the salvation of souls, and we stand against souls dying in sin. We stand for the word of Almighty God, and we stand against any and all opposition to God's word. And there's some fine lines there that we have to walk sometimes because in the workplace, we might be told not to do the things that God says to do. God says to share the good news. But we might lose our job if we share the good news. And after all, we've got to take care of our family, right? We have to take care of ourselves. We have to make sure. Now, would that be good stewardship? If God allows us to have a, a position and we use that position as a place to share the gospel, and we lose that position? Would that be good stewardship? So you've got to weigh those things. We stand for God's Word no matter what. Believers stand united together. We stand in and by and through the Spirit of God. And we stand against divisiveness. And there again, it's a difficult situation in our world today, in this world today. It's not our world, excuse me. The armor of God, the armor of light, Christ, 
enables us to stand, even when it's difficult. We remain firm in Christ at all times and in all circumstances. This is the essence of holiness. See, and there are some who have perverted the concept of holiness to the place where it's a list of things that you do and a list of things that you don't. But God's Word makes it clear. Christ was holy. And in Him, we have His holiness. We're given strength against all those things that God is not pleased by. In Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit, we make and we take a stand for everything that God is for. We also oppose everything that God is against, and that begins within us. It's not an outward thing. I don't point my fingers at you and say, well, oh. I look inside. And I ask that God would reveal to me what I need Him to work on. And I would encourage all of you to do that. Ask Him to show you. Search me, O God. See if there's any wicked way within me. I don't want that. I don't want to be outside of His will. I want to walk along His path. And that's what I want for all of you. You know, the enemy uses many schemes to oppose Christ. He tries to stop the truth from going forward through persecution and, to a lesser degree, repression and oppression. <clears throat> the people of God have been oppressed for centuries. Not so much in the last couple of hundred years in this land, though. We're starting to see it. But this land has been free from persecution, largely, oppression, and repression. But it seems to me like that's starting to change. The, the tables are turning. But then we see that he's lured much of Christ's church into an apathetic state of comfortable existence in harmony with the world. And we see that by the choices that the church leadership is taking, the stand that they've taken on certain issues especially. And I can think of two right off the top of my head that are accepted in the church. Three, four, five. There's so many things the church is saying, well, you know, it's okay. It's all right. And God's Word says it's not. And we're to stand with God, even if it means within the body of believers. We need to stand with God whenever anybody opposes what God's Word provides. And it's sad that apathy and oppression, along with indifference, coupled with the mere threat of persecution, has placed us into this current spiritual state of affairs where the body of Christ is not as strong as it could be. It's time to make a stand in the Lord's battle, folks. He says, put on the whole armor and stand. We need to be fully clothed in Christ. And each of us have to ask ourselves, will I stand 
if confronted? Will I stand when I'm called upon to stand? We need to ask ourselves that. Because if there's any weakness in us, it's not of Christ. It's not of God. It is not what He offers to us. All the oppression and repression, all of the opposition to the truth and righteousness of God and the hostility to the spread of the gospel can be characterized as the wiles of the devil. These are the devil's wiles. These are his schemes. These are his trickery. These are his methods. It's like what God told Cain before he murdered Abel. It's written in Genesis chapter 4 and verse 7. If you do well... Will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. The word behind lies there means crouches. It's the image of an animal crouching down, waiting to pounce. Any of you have ever had a cat, maybe have enjoyed that sight when the cat crouches down and says, oh, I'm going to get that. But see, that's the image of the enemy, crouching down, waiting to pounce, just looking for the opportunity to take us out. What we stand against protects us from the trickery of the devil. What we stand for protects us from the schemes of Satan and his crew of evildoers. The wiles of the devil have been worked for centuries in the world but also within the organized physical church. The church has been the victim. And I say the church, I'm talking about the people, because we are the church. We see the wiles of the devil in the divisions that separate so-called believers. There's a song that I like to sing, and I won't sing the whole thing. I might do a, a line of it. Long scattered thy children, O Zion, have been, but now they are gathering home. The Spirit is calling, they gladly obey, with songs of rejoicing they come. Thy children are gathering home, with joy they are gathering home. From all the divisions in which they were scattered, thy children are gathering home. See, in Christ we are together. In Christ we're not divided. In Christ... We overlook, perhaps, others' sin, all the while calling them to repentance. In Christ, we know we will be united. That was his prayer. When we look at John chapter 17, I would encourage you to read that. John chapter 17, he prays to the Father, let them be one as you and I are one. You know, God ordains apostles. He ordains prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. 
till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's found in Ephesians chapter 4. God does this. He ordains the apostles. He ordains the prophets. He ordains evangelists. He ordains pastors. He ordains teachers. And why? For the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry and for the edifying, the building up of the body of believers, that body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith. When we see divisiveness, we're not seeing Christ. But then we're also called to put apart ourselves from those who are in error. So there's that line that's hard to find sometimes. We want to love those that are part of the body. And if they refuse to repent of their sin, and that's according to the Word of God, not according to my standards, it's God's standards. They refuse to repent, then we are not to be in communion with them. And it's written, we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into Him who is the head, Christ. You see, that's the purpose. That's why God ordains apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. It's His ordination. It's not man's ordination. It's God's. It's written in Mark chapter 13 and verse 22 that our Lord warned that false Christs and false prophets will rise and show signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect, God's people. These things are going to happen. And this is part of our stand. We must oppose those things every bit of teaching that is not founded in Scripture. It's not firmly embedded in Scripture. We need to oppose it. And so often, you can take the whole Bible, like say the, every one of these bricks is a, is a teaching. And you take a teaching from over there, and you take a teaching from over there, and you take one from down here, but you ignore all the rest of the evidence. You take those teachings out of context, and you ignore all the rest of what the Scripture says, and you say, this is what God's Word says, and that's what's happened throughout the centuries in the body of Christ. Instead of taking the whole counsel of God, there are those who have, as the Word says, tricked others. It's a trickery of men. Cunning, craftiness. Deceitful, plotting. It's not speaking truth. And I don't believe I have the market cornered on that. I believe that Almighty God has people all over this world who are preaching His Word and even cutting out those human doctrines that go against His Word. But you see, that's a difficult stand also. One will be chastised when doing that. And I'm speaking from experience. 
Our Lord warned that false Christs and false prophets would rise and show signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even His people. We must stand for every teaching that's rooted in Scripture. Not marginally. Even when the true teaching of Christ becomes unpopular, or maybe even illegal. God's Word says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, as has become the custom of some. And we use that to take our stand in remaining here for those who wanted to gather for worship in these last two years. And there were others who criticized us for that. Said those who want to worship will gather, those who don't won't. And that's okay with us. It wasn't illegal, but the next time it might become illegal. It was in other places in this country. It was in other places in the world. Some churches were shut down, locked down. Pastors were arrested because they stood for the truth. They stood for what God's Word says. They delivered the Word of Almighty God. Remember what's written in Acts chapter 5 and verse 29. We ought to obey God rather than men. I was going to use that as the title for the book that God gave me to write. We ought to obey God rather than men. If men err from the Word of God, whether it's within the body of Christ or within what we call the church, within some hierarchy that's been established by man to direct the body of Christ, within that, or if it's within civil government, we need to stand firmly rooted upon the Word of Almighty God. We must obey God rather than men. And that can be difficult. It's part of our stand, though. Remember what's written in Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. This was God speaking to His people at that time in that place about a particular circumstance, but it applies to all of us all through time. Are we wearing Christ? Can people see Christ on us and in us? Or is what they see something other than Christ? Are we protected? Will we stand for Christ or will we crumble like so many others when confronted? That old cliche of crumbling like a cheap suit, folding like a cheap suit is what came to mind as I was putting these notes together. Believers are instructed in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8 to be sober. We've had to wrestle with that within the body of Christ, even in this place. Be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. He's like a roaring lion! One Peter chapter five and verse nine teaches us to resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. In other words, we're not alone. They're not just attacking us; they're attacking all true believers. 
But James 4.7 tells us to submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Resist. But you can't resist if you open the door and let him in. And that's what sin does. You resist the devil by resisting the temptation, and you do not give in to that temptation to sin. It's for your own good. Putting on the whole armor of God is vital for believers. The whole armor of God is the armor of light that empowers us to stand against the darkness. It is the picture of Christ. Christ is truth. Christ is righteousness. Christ is the gospel. Christ is faith. Christ is salvation. Christ is the living Word of God. Christ is unified, prayerful believers. We're told to sink into Christ and stand for all that God is for. We're instructed to live in Christ. We're instructed to oppose everything that Almighty God opposes. And that begins, as I said before, within us. Remember that the whole armor of God also represents what we stand for and against. We stand for truth and oppose deceitfulness. We stand for righteousness and oppose unrighteousness. We stand for spreading the gospel, and we stand against those who try to stop the spread of the gospel. We stand for the salvation of lost souls, and we stand against souls dying in sin. We stand for the Word of Almighty God, and we stand against all opposition to God's Word. Unfortunately, the body of Christ let go a long time ago. We used to have prayer in our schools. Well, they're not our schools. They're the government's schools. And the government has put itself against our faith. And systematically, incrementally, it has taken God and Christ out of the education of the people in this land. And this is part of the problem that we see in the world today. But we are to stand for truth. Believers stand united together in and by and through the Spirit of God, and we stand prayerfully against divisiveness. As I wrap this up, I'm going to drive home the main idea, and I'll be brief, folks. Christ is the whole armor of God. And by remaining in Christ, believers are protected from the enemy. Outside of Christ, we're in grave danger. And that is a play on words, and that is intentional. We are in grave danger. We are in danger of the grave. The everlasting grave. Almighty God loved His creation so much that He made the way as it's written in John 3.16, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. And believing is active believing. It's not a passive believing. God made the way for us to be reconciled to Him. He protects us from the enemy of souls. He provides the protection that each of us needs to survive eternally. And we simply must remain in His protection. Even when it's difficult. And why? 
that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. And that is the point of the armor of God. That we would stand. When we've done all else, we would stand. We would not run. We would stand. Amen? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we need You now more than ever. Guide us, Lord, in Your will and Your way to remain in Christ each and every day. We know Christ is truth. Christ is righteousness. Christ is the Gospel. Christ is faith. Christ is salvation. Christ is Your living Word. Christ is unified, prayerful believers. Help us to sink into Christ each day. Help us to stand for everything that You are for. Help us to live in Christ and oppose everything that You oppose. Beginning in us, Lord. Help us to remember that Your armor represents what we stand for and against. Help us to stand for truth and righteousness. Help us, Lord, to be girded about with these things. Help us to spread the Gospel. Help us, Father, to stand for Your Word and stand against any and all opposition to it. Help us, Lord, to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. And in the end, we will hear from You, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into Your rest. We thank You, Father. I ask that You would pour out Your Spirit upon each one present, that You would seat Your Word within us, that all of us would be bold in the proclamation of Your Word and standing in Christ, I pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. I want you to be here next week because we're going to continue this series and I've titled the next message, Who Are We Fighting Against? Who are we fighting against? It's not the men and women. It's not the flesh and blood. So, be here.